All right. I was freaking out a moment just there because I didn't realize I had YouTube open in another browser. And so that intro music was playing twice. And I was freaking out thinking, where on earth is this coming from? But I've resolved it and it's sorted. So here we are. Uh, welcome to VUX World Live. Uh, I am your host, as always, Kane Sims. And uh, this is the podcast where we bring you the greatest minds in voice AI, conversational AI. We pick their brains about how they do what they do so that you can do what you do better. Uh, I'm delighted to present DeepGram as the sponsor for this episode of VUX World. DeepGram is an advanced automatic speech recognition company, provides APIs to help you do things like uh, automatic transcripts, of meetings, videos, all that kind of stuff, podcasts, as well as ASR technology to help you create voice bots and uh, voice assistants and all that kind of stuff. Companies all over the world are using DeepGram. It's got incredible accuracy, over 90% in some cases, uh, and it's it's cost-effective as well. And so if you are in the market for some speech recognition technology or you're just generally interested and want to take a look at the market and see what's available, reach out to uh, to DeepGram because I'm sure as well, if you're if you're actively searching, they'll do a comparison with other providers uh, and they will actually show you how it performs for your use case, for your industry, for your needs uh, in comparison to the rest. So do check out deepgram.com forward slash VUX world if you are interested for more information. That's deepgram.com forward slash VUX world. Uh, and speaking of VUX world, this is VUX world. And today we've got an epic show lined up for you. We're going to be talking about the future of voice in the car. Now, the car is one of those places where voice user interfaces and voice assistants are an absolute perfect uh, solution because people's hands are occupied, their eyes are occupied. And so we're seeing all kinds of trends in the car around independent voice assistants, around some of the kind of voice platforms like Alexa and Google Assistant, all vying for a, for a space and a place in the car. And uh, there was a, a partnership uh, announced a couple of weeks back between Harman and Serence to bring what I think is the future of voice in the car. And so I thought, why not bring along Harman and Serence to share their story about what this is all about, what it enables, what trends they're seeing in the industry, in the, uh, in the marketplace as well, and uh, what they think about the future of voice in the car and their advice for brands and, and people who want to build experiences for in the car as well. So I'm delighted to welcome to the show, we have uh, Albert Jordan of Harman. Albert, welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. It's a pleasure to have you. And we have Joe Iacobelli from Serence. Joe, welcome. Hello, everyone. Uh, thank you. Glad to be here. And uh, thanks for reaching out and having us on the show here. No worries. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Shout out to uh, Oliveira, who says, hi, everyone. Tuning in on YouTube. Hello, Oliveira. Um, so we'll do some intros. Be, I'd love to, to learn more about your, your respective roles at, uh, at Harman and Serence. And I think there'll be some people on the show who are familiar with both companies, some more than others. So we'll do a bit of an intro as well around, uh, you know, as well as your roles, a little bit about Harman, uh, a little bit about Serence. And so, Albert, you are the Vice President and General Manager of Automotive Applications at Harman. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your role and what it is that you do at Harman and also what Harman, uh, what Harman Automotive does? Sure. Uh, I mean, uh, Harman traditionally has been a, t a tier one, right? So um, they uh, we receive um, you know um, uh, bids for you know uh, producing head units and then all the professional services that go with it. Uh, about uh, three four years ago, we made the conscious decision that uh, a lot of the um, uh, capabilities were. Uh, going to depend on cloud. So Harman came up with a strategy to provide a product, uh, you know, it's called Ignite uh, Cloud that, uh, you know, tries to abstract the car and provide those capabilities back, uh, uh, back at the cloud layer so that you can more easily introduce services and manage uh, the car. Now, when we did that, the obvious, uh, um, you know, area that we saw that we need to focus on was third-party applications because, you know, just like the car, um, uh, just like any industry where people are searching for killer apps and killer applications, no one company can do that by themselves. And, you know, you're better off uh, open up the platform and allow just a seamless introduction of third-party application services. So we made the conscious decision that we want to focus on that uh, and provide a mechanism 
uh, to bring third-party applications to the car. And then so the product I have is, uh, you know, it's called the Ignite Store, um, and uh, it's focused on bringing third-party, you know, Android-based applications to the car. Interesting, interesting. And so when you say people searching for the killer app, of course, there's the killer app, but there's also a myriad of other apps and other things that people can do, right. uh, which, which is, I suppose, it's a case of actually, uh, would, you, would, you, would you view it a little bit like, almost like uh, an operating system for the car in its own right that allows third-party services to, to have a presence and provide value to, to users on there? Is that how you would describe uh- it? No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't describe it as an operating system. So the operating system that, that we're all, uh, you know, are going to support is Android Automotive, right? Mm-hmm. We think that that's the platform, that's the OS, that uh, is going to have a major impact in the automotive industry. Um, so that's the target. We want to be C- remain CDD compliant. We don't want to br- uh, fragment Android in any way. So we're on a layer on top of uh, Android Automotive. Right, that makes sense. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, so, and, and your your role is are you are you you're running the whole entire product, the development, the go to market, the whole sort of scope of it. Is that right? Correct. Correct. Cool. Nice. And Joe, uh, what about yourself then? So you are the director of sales, engineering, products, and strategy at Serens. That's a. It sounds like you have a lot a lot of stuff to do over there. What what does your role entail? And for those who who might not be familiar with Serens, I mean, our audience that tend to be fairly kind of sophisticated AI enthusiasts. But uh, for those that might not know about Serens, maybe we'll do a little bit about Serens and, and also what your role is over there. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so I'm responsible for the North American sales engineering team. So uh, we work with uh, tier ones like uh, the Harman team and work with the OEMs. So our main responsibility with my team has is to uh, ensure we have voice assistance for the OEMs, but mostly working with the OEM car manufacturers, focusing on North America. So my team uh, looks at this whole solution architecture behind it, uh, how to technically make what um, you know what the OEMs are looking for in the market, and I also work with our our internal product teams and our technology officer team here and seeing what strategies we can go for future. Right, so we look for not only what the OEMs or what the market is doing today, but also looking our short term roadmap, looking at our long term roadmap, and three five year plan also going forward. So our team in North America focuses on that. And um, I'm responsible for, for that with the team here in, uh, in North America. So Serence as a company, uh, basically we're a global front runner for AI powered assistance, right? So we look at voice recognition technologies, ASR, natural language understanding, our TTS. We both have embedded in cloud connectivity and connected services and content. A little bit familiar with uh, with Serens. Um, it's kind of a, a. It actually is a split off from Nuance. We were part of the Nuance uh, Corporations, a publicly traded company, and about two years ago, actually two years in October first was our two year anniversary. We split off and had uh, one public company, Nuance, split into two public companies. And Nuance focuses on the enterprise market and focuses on healthcare and had another division that focused on automotive. And it was beneficial for us to do the split, whereas we can focus the uh, specifically on, on automotive. So new, uh, Serence is a spin-off or split from Nuance. So we went from one public company to two public companies there. Mm. Just a little bit about what we've been doing. You know, for the last, last year, um, every second car, or one in every two cars sold, has Serence technology in it. Wow. So... Well, so we're pretty much working with virtually every major manufacturer or OEM in the market from traditional legacy ones like Mercedes, BMW, uh, Ford, GM, uh, Volkswagen family of Audi, uh, and then two of my personal favorites, Maserati and Ferrari. And also working with some new EV players like Neo and Xping. Uh, and that's been our main focus from a technology side. And, and we're basically expanding also into taking the same AI-powered assistance and because we focus on the mobility side. So whether you're mobile in a vehicle, um, we've actually seen that you can expand that and go into a two-wheeler market. 
and working with the American, yeah, American motorcycles and elevators. Just to give you an idea of how we came about uh, from that side, there are heritage uh, for over the last 12 to 15 years as we've been providing voice assistance in the mobility space. We worked with all the major uh, handset manufacturers, smart TVs, if anyone's familiar with speaking to a Comcast uh, remote control, that's been us. And for some of the older people out there, like myself, who know what a PS2 is, we did a lot of the gaming consoles with uh, Lifeline or US Navy SEALs or Seamen, where we voice activated the actual phones themselves. So over the last 15 years or so, we've been uh, having over 16 billion voice utterances. And our technologies are not only on one voice for North America, but pretty much over 70 voices and 70, uh, 70 voices and 70 languages is what we actually uh, work on right now. So that's kind of kind of powerful. So Sarah's as a company, yes, has been around for two years, but for the last 12 to 15, we've been focusing on the voice assistant space there. So it's a natural evolution to go on automotive and then expand into the other markets um, from two wheelers and elevators and all that fun stuff there. Mm, interesting. Well, I think definitely we're seeing definite trends around people using voice uh, interfaces outside of the home and getting a lot more comfortable with them. I think the pandemic's helped that as well, where people have been at home, been using their smart speakers a lot, been using their voice assistants on their phone quite a lot. I've actually noticed myself using Siri on my iMac even more lately. I don't know what it is really, because historically it's been a terrible experience, but for some reason I find myself using it more and more. Um, so I think there's definitely definite confidence growing with people's kind of confidence in using voice interfaces and obviously Serence with immense experience and history in providing those kind of capabilities. I had a question for you, Albert, which is around the partnership between Harmon and Serence and why uh, Serence became the the kind of uh, the partner that you ended up going with when you're searching for that. But I think that that question might have already been answered by Joe around the uh, the, 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 de- in the depth of experience uh, that, that the team has. But uh, maybe, we'll, maybe we'll start with maybe explaining just what this partnership is. So Albert, maybe you can give us a bit of a, uh, you know, building on the story you were saying around uh you know Harmon trying to provide kind of like an open playing field for third party applications and services to make their way into the into the automotive uh kind of space what 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 was the kind of next step from there was it always intended for these things to be voice enabled like where did the whole kind of uh requirement for for a voice partner in that environment come from Right. So, like, if you look at, like, the in-car experiences, right, um, the, the, everybody's in agreement that having a voice, some people call it the voice first, the voice optimized, but, you know, voice is the primary interaction mechanism uh, for, you know, for in-vehicle use cases, right? So that's, Mm -hmm. that's just a given. And then the, kind of like the, um, the, the dilemma that uh, the those are in the market is that you don't want to burden the third-party app developer with uh, solving that problem, right? So you know the app developers need to come in and just provide their capabilities in the cloud, their services. Um, you know, we call the I call it experience roaming that you have this mobile experience, but then when you come to the car. You want to continue to that experience, but that experience has to be, you know, in, in concert with like what you can do in the car, right? So voice becomes a very important mechanism uh, for that interaction. And so what we wanted to do was to just create the platform where, you know, third parties can come in, they could contribute, and they don't have to think about the, the voice piece. And that would be the heavy lifting that uh, – you know, Serens and, you know, voice providers address, right? And we just provide the plumbing, right? Uh, we, we just want to keep this very simple, simple things work, right? So that was the kind of like the, the, the impetus uh, for this partnership. Mm. Interesting. And, and what would be an example of the kind of applications that are available in the, the Harman Ignite store? Are we talking like radio stations? Are we talking navigation, you know, music providers? Uh, what, what, what are some examples of the kind of applications that you're seeing and that you think you'll see in future? So, uh, you know, media is first and foremost, right? That's the, the kind of like the, the, the one that uh, uh, there, there are plenty of Android automotive applications today and a lot of, uh, people that are uh, are coming on board. Uh, then when you go beyond the media, there's like uh, parking, charging, 
uh, POI, navigation, productivity, uh, e-commerce, so all of these things are, you know, are the kind of like the key domains uh, for automotive. Uh, and the, the user experience is going to be the determining factor whether these will succeed or not succeed. Uh, mm. So the voice is the critical element in all of these things. Interesting. And so from your perspective, Joe, it sounds, I mean, I understand, Albert, that, it's, that from a kind of like, um, from a brand's perspective or an enterprise perspective, being able to just make your services available in the car to be accessed by end users while they're driving, et cetera, without the heavy lifting of the voice design and, and the technology and all that kind of stuff makes total perfect sense. From your side though, Joe, presumably that causes a couple of problems, does it? Because you've got lots of different apps, lots of different services, lots of different kind of utterances and kind of types of experiences. Uh, what what role, so Harman, it sounds, uh, is providing the foundation, the plumbing, the, the kind of infrastructure in the vehicle. What is it that Serence brings to to the table uh, in this in this environment? Okay, so what we bring to the table, if you look at from uh, a follow-up on uh, Albert's comment on the actual plumbing itself. So what we actually do is all the ASR, uh, voice recognition, and the natural language understanding behind understanding what a user says, like a simple utterance which would play, hey, play the stones on Spotify. We need to understand what the user said, what his intention is, and then execute an actual command. So our products themselves is based on what we've been doing for the last 15 years I've mentioned is ASR recognition, natural language understanding, and most importantly, uh, task and task execution. Because in the end, if you really talk about a comment, if somebody says, hey, what's the weather? Besides the actual ensuring that one, the application is installed. Second, making sure the user is logged in. Third, actually making sure that the application is launched and running. Then you can only get to the point of understanding what the user said. But we were talking about all technologies, and if you think about it, the customer is still waiting for, well, I just want to know what's happening in New York City. Let me know what the weather is. So that really is the, you know, each to our piece with respect to the application and then understanding what the user said. But then it's actually working with the Ignite store and the application to get the content. Because in the end, really what we're looking at is the task execution. Because the Ignite platform, along with the voice assistant, uh, the conversational AI assistant we have, the number one priority is to get the content and to actually answer the user's question. It's a task completion. So the technology behind it is to actually go out and answer the question, like what's the weather? Or play a media. Right. Mm-hmm. That is really the partnership and the technologies of the Ignite store and the Serence assistant working together gets that done. So if you say really what we do from a technology side, that's the underground layers, it's typical ASR, NLU. But really what the partnership does and what we do together uh, like no one else can is making sure that the content and the question that the user asks for or the task that he asks for is actually answered because that's that's really what the person wants. Mm. Interesting. So, so is this then a, obviously we've got, you've got companies like Mercedes that are building their own independent voice assistants. And, and we had uh, Mihai Antonescu, who, who was the product owner for the Mercedes voice assistant in the US. I think they actually worked with, with Nuance uh, before it was Serence or perhaps now Serence for some yeah, of their speech technologies. Um, we built yeah. MBUX for Mercedes. <clears throat> exactly. Yeah, yeah. And so, so you're seeing uh, Mercedes launching its own assistant. You're seeing also BMW launching its own assistant. And so you've got car manufacturers that are launching their own assistants. You've then got other car manufacturers who are kind of like incorporating Google Assistant and Amazon Alexa, things like that. This capability, this partnership, Albert, is this is this a Harman assistant or or is it a Serence assistant? How, what is it that people will interact with on the front end, like wake words and all that kind of stuff? How 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 is it kind of presented to the to the user? Well, it's definitely not a Harman assistant. We're we're not uh, providing an assistant, right? Um, I would say that you know it's it's really you know differ, differs from OEM by OEM. Uh, right, there are OEMs that are gonna take uh, what the, like Ceres might have out of the box uh, and uh, provide that assistance, and there are OEMs that uh, believe that they can have some value add and then bring uh, an extra layer on top of what uh, Ceres provides, right? 
and and we're just agnostic. We just want to make sure that we, you know, we have the right plumbing in place. And then, uh, you know, there's this whole concept of templates, right? That the OEMs control to, you know, to make sure that they are okay with uh, uh, distracted driving concerns. And then our job is just to make sure, for example, those templates are voice enabled. We test them. We, you know, we ensure that, you know, the that third-party application seamlessly integrates uh, with that uh, assistant. Right. So it may be that an OEM will utilize this technology, stick it into an infotainment system, and that might end up being basically the Nissan assistant, for want of a better word. Is that right. is that what we're saying? Right. Interesting. That makes sense. Okay, then. So, so how, then, would a... Uh, brand kind of provide their services in this environment so you know let's say that i am i don't know heart radio or uh you know xyz news corporation i know how to build a, a skill for alexa how to build an action for google assistant what do i do to get my services available and and voice enabled in in the harmonic night store how, how do i go about doing that Right. So, you know, what we, again, just going back from an Android automotive perspective, right, there's the, we're adhered to that framework, right? Uh, there's a uh, application model that uh, the framework supports, right? So for, for example, for media, right, the, the if you are a media provider, you have to, uh, you know, enable, you know, certain interfaces. And with the Parking, charging, you know, you have to adhere to these uh, uh, protocols that, uh, you know, are, are defined by Android Automotive, right, uh, and Android Auto. So we just make sure that, you know, the, from a template perspective, those, uh, those templates are voice enabled. So when you say find restaurants and then there's a template that has a list view um, that shows the list items and a map that goes with it and shows those list items on a map that, you know, for example, not only the person can utilize touch uh, to get to the answers that they want, but then they also can just use, utilize voice uh, to, to navigate and get to their answers. Hmm. And, and Joe, does this mean that you would kind of like that this comes with kind of out of the box sense capabilities, but the OEMs would essentially need to modify certain parts of it, for example, the wake word for argument's sake. Is this an out of the box ready to go solution from a voice perspective or is there, is there further kind of iterations or development that needs to happen further down, further down the line regarding wake words and stuff like that? So I'll answer your question in, in, uh, in two parts. Um, from a release perspective, what we're talking about here is out of the box with respect to the domains that Albert had uh, mentioned before with respect to media, navigation, uh, weather, all those type of applications there. Um, so that's part of our standard product offering, out of the box. And, and the reason why that is, is we have basically been focused on that for the last several years. So uh, our natural language understanding NLU technology can support many weather utterances or utterances within a media, you know, you know play, stop, play uh, X number of either you play the stones on Spotify or on, or, you know, I want to hear some music. So that's all part of our NLU that we already understand out of the box today. Uh, also, for with respect to wake-up words, uh, we work already with the OEMs on either having a custom wake-up word or a branded wake-up word themselves, so the user can have a personalized wake-up word or a custom branded wake-up word for the OEM, like Hey Jeep or uh, Hey Mercedes. Again, we work with the OEMs uh, on that. Really, what uh, to add on what Albert had said with respect to the Android uh, integration on different applications, definitely if they follow the um, you know, the Android standard with respect to exposing their APIs with the Android Intense, we can actually go out and, and integrate with it. We also offer tools. You mentioned before about, um, you know, Alexa skills and company. We also have our Seren Studio tools. So if the app developer wants to go and has a very specific niche app or an app that goes and captures the long tail, they can also go in and create their own NLU similar to a skill itself. Uh, and then we add that to the NLU all in cloud, all live. And then your, your, not only is your app voice activated, but it's also part of the 
arbitrated result that's in the OEM's vehicle itself. So it's it's both. It's out of the box, which we think we cover uh, 90, 95% of all the use cases and, and, and applications that are out there, the major ones from what we've seen. But then we also provide the tool that if the app developer wants to go out and use our tools to, to voice enable their application, then we can also have, offer that uh, to arbitrate within the larger NLU we have. Interesting. So an app developer would essentially then create an application within the Serence platform. Uh, would is is that the, so? Does that mean that that application will be available across all Serence domains, across all Serence implementations, or, or would they need to specify that they want this particular use case to be available via the Ham Ignite Store? It would it would be both, but I would see it more as the following use case: uh, it'd be an application who would an app developer who wants to sit on the Ignite Store. And for example, if it's uh, in the domain coverage as navigation, media, they pretty much don't have any work to do, right? right. So they come on the, on the app store itself. We already support those domains. And as Albert mentioned before, you respect uh, the Android intent, you expose the APIs, and you are voice enabled. That is really the key. But if you get to a point where you know there's a very niche application that somebody has a specific, and I like to use... Um, you know, garbage collection. Some people have some really cool apps that they want to say, hey, what's the garbage collection days in my region or my area? It's kind of very specific. Again, can sit on the Ignite App Store. We can call it, we can use it, but to really voice enable some specific SKUs or specific streets or some specifics about the app, we do offer the app developer for these niche type of applications to go in and create his own NLU. And then we added to the uh, across all uh, Serence cloud applications that are called in conjunction with the Ignite App Store itself. So that's the way it would actually work uh, from okay. an app developer side. And really, I like to call it the long tail of apps or the niche apps themselves um, You know that we, uh, that we don't have within our NLU. Now, the advantage to the app developer compared to some of the other technologies is you don't have to have like a double uh, word, right? You don't have to say, uh, hey, Google, ask uh, Alexa to do following, or hey, Jeep, ask Alexa or Google to do X. You just speak at the top level, right? You can say something like in the vehicle, oh, I need to take out the garbage. When's the collection? Is it Wednesday or Monday or Wednesday, right? And then at the top level at the NLU, that is an, uh, go and launch through the application to get the content and get the response back, as I mentioned before. Mm, interesting. So this gets into the question around um, kind of priority and availability, essentially. So, Albert, you mentioned at the beginning there that the idea is to give essentially all third-party brands availability, equal kind of access, opportunity to provide their services in the vehicle. And we've had this discussion plenty of times on the podcast around discoverability and stuff like that. But at least when you're when you're driving, it becomes, I think, more important to get things right because. That you don't have the user's attention all the time. It's like right. everyone's been everyone's been to a point where they, you're at a roundabout and someone's sat next to you and talking to you and asking you a question, and you you can't answer the question because you need to concentrate on the roundabout. There's certain parts and certain times where, when you're driving, you do really need to concentrate, and therefore all your attention is kind of taken away driving. Um, and so the the importance of getting something accurate is really high. Um, so in that way, then, how do I'd be interested in getting both your perspectives on this? Um, how do you create a environment where everyone has equal opportunity? Uh, if, for example, you don't have to specify a source for that media. So, for example, if you say take the bins out, in that example, you could maybe use the location and figure out the local, you know, municipality from that. Other times, if you say play the radio. How do you then determine which radio station gets played? If you say something similar to that, play, what's the weather? How do you determine which weather provider provides the, you know, how, how do you, when we're trying to create that kind of like equal opportunity, given the, the limitations of the voice interface itself, plus the limitations of, of the user in the car, how do you determine priority around which applications get used when? Right. So that's a very, very good question because, um, yeah, you know, my my uh, gut, my uh, feeling has been that in cases the car, you know, so, some car implementations have tried to be too smart. 
in terms of really guessing like, okay, what the user wants and, you know, uh, and then try to do that. And, and, and when you do that invariably, that the problem with that is that you, you know, the, the algorithms tend to favor a very select few content providers, right? So these innovative companies have, have just no, uh, you know, no chance of just like breaking through and, and getting there. So, so there's two ways that we're trying to address the problem. One is that, you know, what we believe is that, um, you know, th there needs to be a priority given uh, for the applications that the users have selected and downloaded, right? So mm -hmm. if, uh, if I've done, made a conscious decision to download Yelp, for example, well, maybe that's the application that I want to use to look for POIs, right? If I downloaded, for example, Amazon Music, maybe that's my preferred media provider, and then I go for podcasts and musics whenever somebody says that. But that uh, that by itself is not, I, I don't think it's enough. And, and the, certainly, like if you look at the mobile world, like if I'm trying to do something, you know, there's like, there was a catchphrase once that, oh, there must be an app for that. You go and look for an app and then you download it and you're off to the running. You, you don't have that opportunity in the car, right? So um, like for my favorite example is parking, right? So if you look at parking, um, it's at least in the US, it's highly fragmented, right? Mm -hmm. So I live in the Bay Area, and if I go to San Francisco, it's one pro uh, parking provider that's dominant, and if I drive to San Jose, it's another, right? So, uh, and it's, the chances are when you're just like as a driver, when you're going to these places, right, uh, uh, for the first time, you don't have the apps downloaded, and you don't have to you know, the luxury of like stopping the car, going and peruse the uh, app store, for example, look for logos and then download the right one. So you have to come up with a, you know, fairly reasonable recommendation engine that, you know, if the person is like pro, even either proactively or, uh, you know, or, or recommendation was you bubble up like, okay, here's like, if you're looking for parking, for example, here's like a, you know, target list of apps. And if the app is not there in the car, then download it automatically. And the contact with the integration that we're providing with the, with the OEMs, like we install the app, there's like the, the identity management is taken care of, the payment stuff is taken care of. So all they have to do is to say that, yeah, you know, that's the thing I want to explore, right? So it, it is a hard problem. And, and like uh, one of my knee-jerk reactions is that always give third-party application providers an, an even chance of getting discovered and being utilized so that we can uh, grow the ecosystem. Mm, makes sense. You can imagine a world where you turn up at the car park and the, the, the um, vehicle's GPS makes a call to the parking providers and then whichever parking provider covers that area then responds right. and then you can recommend the app. I imagine we're miles away from that in terms of the sophistication of the provider's capabilities. Yeah, it's not like there were GPS. I, I think that, you know, based on the location, we do want to, you know, we, we do want to bubble up the right recommendation. And we also want to allow the, the app providers, when they submit an app, to not only to say that, look, here's the car, car models and make models that I want to target. Here's the countries I want to target. We want to go a little bit lower than that, right? Okay, here's the neighborhoods. Here's the cities that I cover, right? So they, they become a lot more discoverable uh, yeah. in, in the process. Mm, that makes sense. And how does how do is is the determining which provider or which response to give to a given utterance is that on the Seren side? Joe? Yeah. So it's so it's yeah. So the utterance itself is just the first step. I mentioned before with respect to content. Um, well, I'll answer your question add to what Albert was saying in in two ways. Um, it all depends in time. When it's time zero, you just get into the uh, get into the vehicle and you start to set up your system. That's when you have the discoverability of which applications the user actually likes, what his preferences are, what he downloaded, and then what he uses. Over time, the user starts to use the system. So if he says the first few times, uh, play the stones on Spotify, play the stones on Spotify, we start to learn. So the Serence Assistant has two, two ways of solving it. 
The first way it could be with respect to our AI technologies that learns the user's preferences. So based on what the user's done, what he asked for, we know which app and which content he wants. Okay. So mm -hmm. uh, if the user says, play the stones on Spotify, play the stones on Spotify. And then the next time he says, we start to learn that we see, and the user says, play the stones. Well, we know that for the last several times, he's played the stones on Spotify. And like I'd mentioned before, the number one objective is understand what the user said, but then execute his task, get the content to him that he wants. He wants to hear the stones. Okay. So it can either be that point there or the other way we solve it is with dialogue. It's conversational or assistant. Again, we get the content, we get the applications from the Ignite store, and we know what the user is wanting at that point. It really depends on the OEM of how they want to design their assistant and what they want to offer as their brand within the actual vehicle. It can be conversational. It can be that the OEM wants to have a conversation per domain for a confirmation. So it can be like, hey, play the stones. And the assistant can come back and say, hey, I see that your preferences are the stones on Spotify. Would you like me to play their... Uh, Montreal uh, 1985 playlist. You say yes, and then it plays on, on there. The other thing, so this is the way we would solve it with respect to, to getting the user the content. The other integration we've done as part of the use cases with Ignite um, is remember, it could be that maybe the user's not logged into the application or somehow got deleted, but we know from the fact that the user has been uh, using a certain application so what we've done from an integration side is be able to trigger the user and say, hey, look, you're not logged into your uh, Spotify application or you're not logged into your media application. Would you like us to log you in? So we can execute that task for them. Because remember, the assistant is not only there for doing ignition on the ASR side. That's, you know, 10 years ago we, we did that. The whole point of this, this partnership and the whole point is giving the user the next level service, next level value of a completing a task. And what I really mean by that is giving him his content. We know he has certain applications that he likes. We learn from it. We can either ambiguate or have a dialogue side, or we can uh, entice the user and say, hey, you're not logged in. Log into, your, log into your app. Would you like us to log you in to give him what he actually wants? Hmm. Interesting. We've got some questions coming through. Uh, Leonardo, I know your question was a while back and uh, Mr. Bendig, uh, we've got a couple of questions. I'm going to get to those questions in a minute, but I want to kind of like stick on, on this little thread that we're on for a moment because I think it's it's a really interesting um, a really interesting discussion because you probably hadn't seen it, um, but there was a report published today by the UK government and it was called the Digital Radio and Audio Re uh, Review. I don't know. I'm assuming you probably didn't see it. It's a very specific UK thing. But uh, did you see it? No? No, I haven't. No, you haven't seen it yet. <clears throat> so essentially what it is, it is in, in 2020, the, the UK government um, put together a steering group that consists of a number of media providers uh, and um you know, radio stations, things like that, looking at the challenges that radio providers will face in future. And one of the things that comes up, obviously, and inevitably is voice assistance. And some of the recommendations in that recommendations to the UK government is to uh, they recommend regulation around voice assistance, always providing free access to radio stations. Uh, and also, in some cases, uh, preferent, they call it preferential carriaging, which basically just means preferential treatment when it comes to accessing content. Now, I wrote a piece on, on VOX World today about that, about how, how I think that that language is a dangerous way of describing things. If you bring in regulation that prioritizes certain industries over others, you're in danger then of... Um, you know, stifling innovation and who, which industry do you decide to prioritize, which providers in that industry do you decide to prioritize? And it becomes a bit of a mess. It stops being open. It starts being very closed. And then, you know, there's, there's all kinds of things going on with incentive structures and stuff like that, that I think don't really do make too much sense. However, they bring up a couple of good points in there, which is that some of the challenges that um, media providers face is that platforms like Amazon, Alexa, Google Assistant, those kind of assistants, they don't give you any kind of data. They don't tell you much about what people have been asking for and, and user behavior stats and things like that. You know, you can put web analytics on your website. You can monitor people's uh, behavior. You can then change and improve things based on that. But the voice assistant platforms don't give you any of that. And so the, the argument is that, 
you know, media providers are a little bit in the dark. And so what I don't agree with is what is this whole concept of preferential treatment for the radio industry. I think that's complete rubbish. What I do understand is this concept of um, free and fair access. Um, and that leads us in, we've kind of been talking about how do you determine which provider to use in what situation, but it brings us on to this topic of interoperability. Now, interoperability, it sounds, you know, it sounds as though, uh, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it sounds as though any provider who has an application can potentially expose that application on the Harmon Ignite store and therefore it's available and there's no restrictions around that. Um, what about things like somebody who uses Google Assistant uh, and manages their calendar and their diary and all of their text messages and et cetera through Google Assistant? Where do you kind of stand on this kind of interoperability between assistants, not necessarily the application level, but the assistant level? So you'll see some cars that have Alexa built in. Some cars have Google Assistant built in. Some cars, I think, I think one of the BMWs, it's got the BMW Assistant, but it's also got Alexa. Where do you, what are, your, what are both of your thoughts on the, on the interoperability uh, topic around equal access to the assistant level, equal access to the work word, equal access to the to different assistants. I can, you want me to go first, Albert? Sure. I can, I, I can answer. Yeah, so we've actually uh, have patents around there that I, I'm actually proud of. Um, so we have a patent uh, that's called cognitive arbitration. Uh, from our side, I'd mentioned before, we're, a, we're an assistant. And what we really provide is task completion and content, content uh, fetching content and, and ex execution. Now, do we care if it's handled by our NLU or handled by another assistant or whether we use Media Source 1 or Media Source 2 or Media Source 3? No, that's not where we play. We truly believe that the trends in the market are happening, that the user wants to bring their digital life into the vehicle. And by them doing that, what they're really looking at is being able to want their application. So they use Microsoft productivity tools. They use their shopping maybe on Amazon. They use their favorite media streaming source we talked about. They want to have their favorite podcast for VOX World that they want to connect to. And voice is becoming pivotal uh, in order to provide those services. So what we have is an arbitration mechanism based on what the user said, we will trigger the either a domain or a, an application to actually be called and to execute the task. As we've mentioned before, if he wants to hear the stones on Spotify, that's what the user said. So we will give him access to play the stones on Spotify if that application is on the Ignite store and we're integrated with it. The same way comes that if he wants to set a timer, hey, Alexa, set a timer, we will do that wake up word recognition and do the handoff. This is all part of our cognitive arbitration, whereas we will arbitrate between different assistants all the way down to the different domain level and application level, and then actually do the handoff. That same thought process applies for the apps we just talked about, because a user might say, play the stones on Apple Music, or I want to hear uh, you know, the Beatles on, 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 on another streaming store, LiveX Live. That is what the user said. So we arbitrate at that level and then do the handoff and execute, uh, actually give the, the Android intent for the application to take over and do its thing. It's also very, very important from, from, from an arbitration side, you'd mentioned wake up words, wake up word engine, uh, also smart enough to say, if the user said, hey, Alexa, well, then he wants to talk to the Alexa assistant and we do that actual handoff. So there's an arbitration that needs to happen in the head unit of the OEM to call the task of, who the user wants to actually, who, which assistant the user wants to actually execute his task or do something for him. It can be uh, the interoperability between, uh, you know, the Googles, the Alexas of the world and our assistant. And then the same applies for all the content and applications on the Ignite store. That's the way we look at it. We look at it as a complete, um, you know, interoperability from our side. We don't looking at the point of blocking anyone out because the user, the trends we've been seeing is the user wants what he wants and he wants to take his digital life in the vehicle. If he sets an alarm using Siri, you're not going to change his mind. So what you have to do is, at least what we've been seeing is give them the option and enable the user to take his digital life and bring it in the vehicle. That's our thought process. And uh, that's why we've built our cognitive arbitration uh, feature or function within our assistant to handle specifically that. 
Yeah, that makes sense. Because I think that Serence doesn't... I mean, you don't brand Serence as an assistant. It's almost like the white-label technology that people can build assistants on top of. So I think it makes sense right. in that respect. Right. I think that there is an interesting story from uh, Sonos where they said that Google were basically blocking them for putting their own assistant onto their smart speakers uh, in conjunction with Google Assistant. So basically what it is is that Google wanted to have access to the wake word and control that arbitration whereas Sonos wanted to have access to the wake word and hand off to Google. Google weren't necessarily happy about that, didn't want to play a second fiddle, because I think Google's incentives are that it wants to control access to the internet and be the, the, the kind of facilitator. But, Albert, what, what are your thoughts on, on this concept of one vehicle, multiple assistants? Do you think that that's that kind of the way that things are heading, or do you think that ultimately, as long as people can get the music played and get directions and, and fulfill those tasks, then, then people are happy? Yeah, I mean, it, it's somewhat orthogonal to like the, the scope of like what the app store does in the car, right? So it, it's it's a, kind of like a orthogonal to what we do. But my personal feeling is that you know people use assistance for different reasons, right? And then and they have a preference, right? Uh, uh, and then they they may have multiple for multiple reasons. So for example, I may use Alexa because there are IoT devices at home that are connected to it, so that's why I use it. But then I use my phone assistant, uh, you know, for media, right? And, you know, to me, I think that the, the, the kind of like the simple approach might be that just offer the multiple assistants in the car and just like having different people in the car. And then the user is talking to different people to get things done or get the answers to, right? Mm. Um, and, and then the, the, the only other thing that I would also mention is that, you know, one of the issues that the, the industry is 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 going to be a challenge is privacy, right? And then, so to what extent do you want to put the safeguards over there, mechanisms over there that preserve privacy, and and keep the, these things separate? Uh, I think that that's uh, would be uh, would be a good approach. That you know, like okay, if I've entrusted the certain information with the Alexa, for example, just keep it over there, right? And mm -hmm. then. And then don't don't provide a way for those uh, personal information to just proliferate uh, across the internet. Yeah, that makes sense. That, that's that's a good time to bring in uh, a question from Just Curious, who is just curious about this question, uh, and he directs at or he or she directs at Joe. Uh, sounds like you are tracking user data uh, with AAOS. How are you addressing data security concerns? So building on what uh, what Albert was saying there around privacy and security being important, what what, what kind of steps and approaches do you have around uh, privacy and security around user data? Yeah, so what we actually do, just we don't own the data. The data is part of an OEM because our services are, like you said, we're the white label and each of the OEMs owns the actual user data itself. So from a tracking perspective, what we have is we support all security. Uh, so first thing, when you log in and accept, there's a ULAW that, that the user can uh, consciously accept the data. We also have mechanisms that the user at any time can come in and make a request to delete his data. And we can delete the data at any given time that they want. We also have the option of obfuscating and encrypting any user data that is sent to the system. So. Uh, that is pretty much how we've been addressing security and data concerns. We're very, very cautious of that. Our CIO within the company, and when we're actually developing from a product side, ensure that uh, these security mechanisms are there. Again, we don't own the data. We don't sell the data. That's not our business. Our business is to uh, use, to, to provide uh, AI assistance, assistance and is to do the task completion. The data we do use, which is for the benefit of the users, and again, it's obfuscated, so we have no idea what user X or who user X is. We just know that Y number of users have said that they want to buy movie tickets. So that means that we need to either voice enable applications in the movie ticket market, or we need to update our NLU for, for movie tickets, for example. That's how we use the data to improve the service for the user. Mm. Makes sense. Um, 
So one of the other things that came out of that that review, and this is something that we've we've touched on as well on the podcast around uh, access to user data. Now, for for example, if you if you build on any other voice assistant, essentially the agreement that an end user has with the with the assistant is an agreement between the user and the company. So, for example, the agreement between me and Apple is that I use Siri and Siri captures my data and uses it or whatever. Any application that wants to integrate with that essentially will behave a little bit like the Harmonic Night Store does, whereby the provider exposes their APIs and services, the the voice user interface and the data is handled on the front end, and essentially all all the service provider gets is a request to provide content or provide a service. And that's the way that most of these voice assistants work. But one of the struggles with that is that as an application provider, you often don't know either the context at which that request came from, or sometimes you might miss out on other opportunities to be able to provide things that people want because you don't have access to that data. For example, I imagine that, um, let's say you mentioned movie tickets. I imagine the audience cinema would really love to know how many people are asking their uh, vehicles about X number of uh, movies, for argument's sake, because that means that they can then say, "All oh, right, lots of people are asking about this movie. Let's put some content together about this movie." But they need access to that data in order to get that. Uh, I understand why they don't have, and probably won't have access to that data because they're not data controllers or anything like that in this arrangement. But what do you? Where where do you sit on this kind of like data transparency situation? Is it Serens? I'm assuming Harmon doesn't have any of the data. You provide the infrastructure, and it's Serens that has the data capture and collection, but then you mentioned the OEMs that sound like they're the data controllers. And so it kind of belongs to them. Where, where, where do you sit on the whole kind of like data sharing either for the, for the, well, predominantly if actually to improve the system, as you've been kind of saying, like how does, how does the data work if at all? Yeah. So we're not in the business of selling data. We're not in the business of sharing data as you, in applications that you mentioned, because it's not our business model. Our business model is to provide uh, conversational AI assistance. And mm-hmm. our task, our job is to complete a task. So if the user says he wants to listen to media on a certain media provider, our job is to execute and make him hear the music or make him hear that podcast. We are not there to go out and tell all the podcast providers that, hey, a thousand people in the last 20 minutes have asked about uh, VUX World podcast because Albert and Joe are on. Right? We don't, we, that is not our business model. Uh, and that is what really differentiates us from, the, from, the, from our competition is that the data is owned by the OEM. We are enablers of the technology and we, we build a white label assistant for the OEMs. And the usage of the data on approval by the OEM is specifically to improve a domain or to improve a service. And we're very, very uh, follow those rules very tightly with our full GPR compliance, and we make sure that about that. That's within our DNA of the company. Makes sense, uh, Albert. What do you see as being? I think we, we've kind of touched on some of the some of the kind of like common. I think applications that we're likely to see in the Harmonic Night Star, music uh, likely one of them, navigation likely. Yeah. I'd, I'd love to see that car park payment example uh, come to life. Where, where do you see, we got a, we got a question here uh, come a while ago from Leonardo Dari who says, what about uh, domotics control by voice in the car? Basically smart home automation and being able to trigger that stuff from within the vehicle. I'm wondering if we can get your thoughts on, on that as well as what you see as some of the emerging use cases for uh, application usage and voice application usage in, in the car. Yeah, so uh, actually, uh, people may not know this, but the Harman is wholly owned by Samsung. Um, Samsung. One of the Samsung product lines is smart things, and they're making um, you know, a big-time investment in, in IoT kind of like products uh, and platforms. Uh, Samsung is like, you know, w- when it comes to appliances, for example, uh, they're the market leader uh, in, in those. Uh, so we are working very closely with, uh, uh, with, with Samsung to come up with like an application uh, that uh, hopefully, you know, um, uh, you know, addresses some of these use cases. And the trick over here is really, you know, work with the market leader uh, and come up with like some sample use cases and experiences and then see if there's an appetite from a market perspective to, uh, to adopt them. Uh, 
right? Hmm. Um, th- th- there are concerns about, uh, you know, write access. So, for example, you know, like uh, uh, some OEMs might have uh, issues with, like, hey, you have to give the user control to turn on the oven. And then if the, uh, the house catches fire, then, okay, who's liable over there, right? <laughs> so, so there's these... Uh, there, there's these liability concerns that are swirling around, um, but you know you have to start someplace, right? And then so the starting point for us is like, hey, you know, start work with the, with a market leader like Samsung, get like a view of like these uh, devices at home, right? And then and then and then just you know well, that's the starting point, and then we'll, we'll take it from there, right? Mm-hmm. It's going to happen, but it'll happen slowly, I think. Yeah. Makes sense. What what because we mentioned commerce earlier on, uh, kind of in, in we touched on it very briefly. It was mentioned. Um, there's all kinds of examples, I suppose, that we could we could give. I mean, Joe, you mentioned cinema tickets. You know, Albert, you mentioned parking. Uh, lots of examples of where monetary uh, exchanges can be made in the vehicle. Uh, the example I always give is. Uh, I used to be a bit of a gambling person. I tend not to gamble anymore because ever since having a child, I just don't have time to watch football. Um, but it, one of my old favorite use cases was I'd love to be driving and just be able to say, put me a bet on for the weekend. You know, <clears throat> I, I bet you that Man United beat whoever 2-0 or whatever it might be. I'd love to be able to do that because it's just so frictionless. Or another one would be like, um, sometimes, you know, a lot of pers- a lot of purchases are emotional purchases, aren't they? And so, if you're driving home and you feel like a takeaway that evening, then you could order a takeaway while you're in the car before you come to your senses later on and rationally think that that's not a good idea. <laughs> but there's all kinds of examples of of those kind of things. But Joe, you mentioned that 95% of use cases are already covered. I'm assuming that these transactional commerce-based use cases are in that 5%. I'm wondering if it'd be interested to get both of your perspectives on what you think the future of these kind of commerce-type interactions are. Joe, maybe we'll, we'll start with you. Yeah, so actually I'm glad you mentioned that because we kind of got to be a little bit ahead of the app store and the applications themselves because we need to make sure that the NLU supports it. So to answer the first question on uh, smart control, home control, that's definitely one uh, domain that we already support. So we do have that there. Um, The other thing, uh, Kane, you mentioned with respect to purchases and uh, uh, commerce, that's also something we've worked on in the uh, we kicked that off about 18 months ago or so. And this is based on the study because you asked a question of, okay, what are actually people doing in the vehicle? Really based on facts. We still have 80% of the use cases there are, are making a simple phone call. You know, 60% is about asking for directions and navigation. And 50% of the daily uses is even on sending a text. Now we started to talk about the media side, right? You get 40% of the asks and then the expansion into weather. Uh, You do have the purchases with respect to restaurants or any uh, uh, food purchasing and which is about 15 to 20 percent of daily usage on a voice assistant is actually coming there. And believe it or not, uh, we've been seeing a lot of cases, as you just mentioned, you know, a shop for product or impulse buy. About four to five percent of the assistant data right now or usage of the data is on impulse buys. Right, you're driving back home, whether it's, hey, I got to pick up a pizza or pick up something to eat or I'm in trouble, send flowers uh, or it's Mother's Day. It's like, oops, I forgot, send some flowers on. This is all stuff you can do from the actual vehicle of what we're seeing um, uh, going forward as you know, additional, app, or additional apps or NLU coverage that we'd have today and then innovation going forward. Maybe just one more minute on the question from Mr. Bendig with respect to contextual factors or context. That is very right. Everything we're talking about here, we've been talking primarily about voice, but we have many triggers or context within the vehicle. For example, the user is on uh, just on simple emotion. You hear in his voice, he's very angry, very upset, very excited. And he's like, you know, saying, I got to drive quickly to the office. Right, that is a actual use case. And then the assistant can come back and say, you know, don't worry about it, Kane. You'll be you'll arrive at the office five minutes before your next meeting. Would you like me to play some mellow music for you in the background? Right. That's an integration of the assistant based on contextual triggers. 
based on the user's emotion or what the system's hearing, along with taking content from the Ignite App Store, giving that back to the user. And that use case here is, is a real life use case that we support today, not futuristic. That's something that can be done today. Same thing on uh, context on, uh, for example, the user says, um, I need to find parking. And you see that it's raining outside and he has his wipers on, right? So that can be a point that, hey, we're going to find a parking lot that has um, basically a covered parking so the person doesn't get wet. So we have all these different contextual information from the vehicle that is inputted in conjunction with what the user said. We marry those together and execute the task or get the right content form or launch the right application for the user. Very basic. The user has an electric vehicle. And he might say, I got to put gas. I got to have charging. We're not going to offer him a gas station. We're going to have to make sure that we find him a parking station uh, or an EV station. Or even conjunction, I need to park. And you see the car is low. There's only 10% left on battery. You might prioritize a gas station or an EV charging station or a parking lot, actually. Sorry. You are going to prioritize a parking lot that has a charging station in it. And you bring them there, navigate them there, and then you can say, hey, would you like to charge your EV charging app for your payment perspective to buy your parking spot and then buy maybe an hour of charging, for example. This is how we actually use the context around the vehicle along with what is happening in the user's life and in this certain context to make the right selection. So we're more on a point of like, you know, prioritizing not company A or company B, but prioritizing the right product based on the application he uses for what the user needs at that actual service at that point there, based on what he asked. Hmm. That's fantastic. That's really, really good. That is the future of voice in the car, without a doubt. Uh, one very final question, quick fire question to to wrap up on. If there was one, if there's one thing you'd love to see as far as an application or what have you in the car, either on the Harmon Ignite store or otherwise, Albert, what was what's the one thing you think is missing that you'd love to see? I think that you know, um, you know, when I look at the whole market, it, it's really slanted towards entertainment. And what uh, what uh, the what the opportunity there is is like to bring things that make drivers more productive in the car, right? Like uh, you know, fumbling through your email uh, emails and then selecting the right ones and then just like making sure that you're responsive or just like you know, there's the the Slack app that uh, you know uh, brings the brings you up to date on all the relevant information that you need to be upon right so that that's the that's the place i see uh, you know a great opportunity uh for people to come and innovate mm, i agree with that what do you think joe what, what do you, what, what's the one thing you'd love to see or what's missing i have two the okay. first one is calendar we're in the car you're road warrior you're in the vehicle you're traveling between meetings uh what's my next meeting what time is it at do i have enough time to get there getting your calendar view spoken back to you so mm-hmm. you can take a snapshot without picking up your phone because it's safety number one when you're in the car and the second one is launching a productivity and i mean by that is either launching a team's meeting launching uh, creating a team's call getting onto mm-hmm. a zoom call or a webex from the vehicle right And that proactivity is like, hey, your meeting at 2 o'clock is with uh, Albert. Would you like me to start Teams? Would you like me to start WebEx for you? That aspect there in the vehicle I would love to see would definitely make my life a lot easier. I agree. That would be that would be absolutely ideal. Uh, although WebEx doesn't really get on with me for some reason, I keep having to use my mobile to actually physically call in, so I might defeat the point. But Zoom's fine. <laughs> well, listen, Albert, Joe, this has been absolutely fantastic. I'm, I'm sure we could have gone on for another couple of hours if we were in person and we had a beer and a cigar. But uh, but I'm afraid we're out of time. Thank you so much for joining us. Where can people go to find out more information, either to reach out to yourselves or to find out more about Ham and Ignite or to to get started with building applications for it and, and things like that. What's, what's the best way for people to, what's the best next steps for people after this podcast? Albert? Just uh, send me an email, uh, albert.jordan at harvin.com. would love to answer any questions. Cool. Uh, let's just put this on here. Harman.com. Uh, I'll stick it on here so people can see it. Uh, and Joe, what's the, what's the next step for yeah, you? What's so, yeah, so same from my side. You can send me an email, joe.yacobelli at serence.com. 
You can also hit our website at sarens.com or follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. We'd love to for you guys to follow us. Just Perfect. search for Sarens and uh, you should come up. Perfect. I will. Uh, I'll stick those uh, links in the show notes uh, so everybody can uh, can do just that. Uh, thank you all for thank you both for joining us. It's been absolutely absolutely amazing. We've had people who usually when you do a live broadcast like this, people join and then inevitably over time it kind of dwindles ever so slightly. But I think we've we've lost about three people. I think in the whole. Uh, in the whole broadcast so you've definitely held people's attention uh, you've certainly held my attention it's been absolutely amazing I really really appreciate your time uh, and thank you everyone for tuning in if you're not yet subscribed to VOX World please do so it is VOX.world forward slash subscribe we do broadcasts like this every single week at least once a week with experts like Albert and Joe giving you their perspectives on the voice and conversational automation space uh, and we also do industry analysis and publish a hell of a lot of that kind of stuff as well on our website so if you subscribe you'll get all the invites you'll get all the articles you'll get all of that knowledge and insights to help you create successful AI strategies every single week so please do that thank you all for joining me thank Thank you again, Joe and Albert. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank, Thank you for having us. Thank you. Cheers.